Louis, Missouri, Atlanta, Georgia, Cincinnati, Ohio, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, Portland, Oregon, Jackson, Mississippi, Memphis, Tennessee, Baltimore, Maryland, Scottsdale, Arizona, Baton out there, Jacksonville, Florida, Florida, Michigan, Hampton, Virginia, New York, New York, New Jersey, Chicago, Illinois, Los Angeles, California, Portland, Oregon, Mississippi, home for the AFC. Too blessed to be stressed. Well, that's always the thing here, brother. And how the visit? Oh, she's doing fine. Spent. Uh, right, this is our 39th anniversary today. I'm about to say that, okay. You've been together 39 years, okay. Congratulations. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Yeah, 39 years, God. That is a uh, blessing all by itself, okay. Yes, yes sir. Yeah, I know. I'm not just somebody at 25 myself, you know. I think Reverend Lyles is right there Continue believing to the saving of the soul. Continues to make heaven your home before you sleep and after you sleep. Yes, sir. Heavenly Father, we know we're already seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Amen. Our name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And Heavenly Father, we know you can do everything but fail. Yes, yes. We ask you to bless the sick all over the universe. You already know what to do. And Heavenly Father, we ask you to, we might have a wonderful fellowship with you in your most darling son, Jesus' name, amen. Amen, Reverend. There was another good, powerful prayer there. We thank you. And also, Reverend, while we attend the heavy anniversary, everyone, 
Happy anniversary for Valentine's next week, okay? For all the all the, the, the families and the beautiful wives and husbands, make sure you do something to make sure that you appreciate you. And you appreciate her. As a wife, happy wife. Now, let know, Red, what you got for us? I'm going to talk about the gospel. That's the only main, that's the main subject to talk about is the gospel. I can go through here, do some uh, scriptures and go here and there, but the main, most important thing is getting souls to be saved before it's ever too late. We're living in the last days. People need to know what the gospel is so that they can be saved. Before you get started, okay. We said the last days, okay? So if you read the Bible, all the descriptions, hurricane, tornado, earthquake, flood, drought, all that is taking place every day. Right now, that's what we said. The last day. Amen. Now, get up here. Uh, let's look at the... The sixth chapter of Romans. This is the sixth chapter of Romans. Explain how you be uh, convicted to be saved by God's, uh, by you believing in his death, burial, and resurrection. It says, the sixth chapter said, deliverance from the power of indwelling sin by union with Christ and death and resurrection. The death, burial, and resurrection is very important to say. That's to the saved that they are saved and to the unsaved how to be saved. Amen. It said, and verse 1 said, what should we say then? Should we continue in sin that grace may abound? No. God forbid. How should we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? I'd like to talk, say something else too. Once you're saved, you're always saved. Because it's God saved. You ain't saving yourself. I want people to hear this real clear. People say, once I was I was saved once, but I got lost. But you you lie. You lie through your teeth. Because God don't lose nothing that he saved. See, it's God saving you, not you saving yourself. Then he goes on to say, No, you're not. That so many of us, as we're baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into his death. That's what happens when salvation happens to you. When you believe, you baptize into the body of Christ, the mystical body of Christ. You're baptized into that. And he said, therefore, we are buried with him by baptism unto death. See, you have passed from death 
unto life in Jesus Christ by believing in him. And like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also shall walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him. Time up the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, when the tree said, good and evil, that's the nature of man. And the seventh chapter of the Romans talks about that old nature. That's how you get born again by the seventh chapter of Romans, too. Romans is the whole book of the gospel of God. Death, burial, resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is free from sin. Now, if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we should also live with him. Knowing that Christ being raised from the dead died no more. I done died one time, but I ain't gonna die no more. <laughs> Death had no more dominion over him. But in that he died, he died unto sin once. But in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. That's why it's God's son that's saving you, not you saving yourself when you hear the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Likewise, reckon ye also yourself to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in the lust thereof. When you're born again, you sin less because you're walking in the newness of life. You're following Christ by faith. By grace through faith are you saved. It's a gift of God, not a works, lest any man should boast. Neither yield you your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin. But yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin should not have dominion over you. For you are not under the law, but under grace. What then? Should we sin because we are under the law? But under grace, God forbid. Know ye not that to whom ye yield your, yourselves servants to obey, his servant ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of 
disobedience unto righteousness. But God, we think that you were the servant of sin, but you have obeyed from the heart. Talk about your man, not that old wicked heart in your chest. <laughs> that form of doctrine which would deliver you. Being then made free from sin, ye became the servants of righteousness. I speak after the manner of men, because of the infirmity of your flesh, whereas ye have yield your members, servants to uncleanliness, and to iniquity unto iniquity. Let's talk about your thinking iniquity. Even so now yield your members, servants to righteousness unto holiness. <clears throat> For when you were the servants of sin, you were free from righteousness. What fruit had ye then in those things whereof you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. The wages of sin is death. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. But now, being made free from sin and become servants to God, ye have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. For real, that was a powerful message, okay? One of the things that early on that uh, we can't forget, okay? A lot of us, you know, uh, uh, going to church, you know, and I quote about it, you know, yay. And then along the way, they tell you, you know, just did. Just because you didn't get into the way you're supposed to be with the Bible right then, okay? He allowed you to go out and see some things, okay? But but at no point were, were you not his child. You know you know you was always safe. But again, you know, you, you know like this. He allowed you to grow, but at the same time you still his child from day one. Day one, okay. To now, uh, you know, you know he's gonna guide us. So you can see in the Bible, like in Romans, there, you know. Very powerful book, very powerful, very powerful book that tell us a lot of stuff. And then, yeah, you know, how you can get saved, and you remain saved, and how you can get all your life, okay? So, we have, I know a lot of us go to funerals, and you always hear a read some little a form saying that there was steps in the story, and it was one step, or one step, but it was two steps. Well, all your life, you have to just with you because he always looks for the bread. All throughout life, am I right? Yep. So he said he never leave us, but we, but we don't, but we just forget about him. Don't forget about us. Amen. And you know why they just forget about him? Because of unbelief, and they lead into their own understanding. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, I think one of the things you know, uh, in the early time for the Bible in Genesis, back back in Texas, there is with there, uh, you know. Hear about this just naked people. And then, in no cause, just naked means that they were in the wilderness 40, for 40 years. So they didn't believe. They didn't have faith. And so he didn't 
See, that was an unbelief from the get go. You have to believe God and count and He'll count it to you for righteousness, like Abraham did. Abraham believed God and was counted to him for righteousness. And that's what each one of us today have to believe God and is counted to us for righteousness. The devil believe and he trembles. Amen. Amen. And we'll be reverend. No one thing's okay. There was a, a powerful message today, you know, uh, especially if you look around us and we see so many disnaked uh, people who don't believe. Uh, looking for miracles and all that stuff, but the miracle is that we spoke of this point in this world. And then we are still going to enjoy another day. Uh, and so I just want to thank another beautiful educational message today okay, about what we need to know. And you said we don't talk about what Romans said, which is in the New Testament. And, and, uh, and Romans, that whole book is just so much, so much it tells you. About how to live your life, and I'm just so blessed to have you read and got here, as I think. But then, I'm happy to have a beautiful new day in St. Louis. The sun is out. We're both in the sun is standing where you are. My name is Ira Pope. That's Reverend Elder Elder Loud. That's that one. And no Scott here, darling. Amen. Black History Month, 
but it didn't pass through Congress until 1986. And so we're proud to say that Black history, this, especially this weekend, you have so many Black individuals that are pretty much a part of history right now. Not only in the Super Bowl, we have two Black quarterbacks for the first time in history, but those two Black quarterbacks have fathers that are with them. They came from homes that had fathers and mothers. As a matter of fact, uh, Patrick Mahomes, I can't see the quarterback, his father played baseball a profession. So he, he was kind of coached all the way through his career about how to deal with issues. As a matter of fact, the great Tiger Woods, his father coached him all through his professional career until he passed away. And Tiger will be coming back to the circuit this weekend, you know, charted with the uh, uh, tournament in California. And also, as we look at what's going on over in, uh, in, uh, in, in, in the Ukraine, and also with the, uh, with the earthquakes over in, uh, you know, in Syria and Turkey, we first we well, we need to get a prayer if we cure for those people over there. Over 20,000 people have lost their lives, okay, which is a very tragic, tragic situation. Well, earthquake can happen anywhere unnoticed, you know, and nobody knows, but when it hits, it takes lives right away. So, Rev, can you give us a small prayer for those people over, over there in Turkey and Syria and they lost all their lives and, and pray for them? It's safe to find more people alive as you can. Amen. Heavenly Father, we know you know all things. You can do all things, fix all things, and save all things. Heavenly Father, we just hope that the people that are down there buried, that they have heard the gospel and be saved before it's ever too late if they're not. And Heavenly Father, we know you can do everything but fail, and we know you know what's best for everything. You know what's going to happen, when it's going to happen, and where. Amen. And Heavenly Father, we know you can do everything but fail. Yes. So when you do something, Heavenly Father, it's no failing. Amen. But to us, it's failing because we misunderstand you, Heavenly Father, because we don't have enough sense to know what's going on. But you do. So, Heavenly Father, we know whatever your will is, it's going to be done. In Jesus' most precious name, continue to bless all the people in the world and to get saved before it's ever too late. In Jesus' most precious name, amen. Well, we thank you for that very, very, very powerful prayer, you know, right now because uh, a lot of things are going on. And also, I, I kind of raised the uh, Ukraine's uh, situation because one of the things that uh, the United States says they have to fight from the start to save Ukraine from, from Russia. They, matter of fact, uh, they invaded them uh, via year this month. And just if you're not aware, Russia felt uh, said this war will be over in less than a month. You know, we're going to go in there and we're going to take over this country just like that. Well, sometimes man says he can do stuff without checking with God. And right now, uh, Vladimir Putin, president of Russia, somewhat embarrassed that a year is almost passed and he still hasn't conquered Russia. And one of the reasons is because the United Nations has came together as a family and as a team to work together, okay? Because one of the things that started this whole uh, fiasco was that uh, Ukraine wanted to join the United Nations with other strong nations around the world that fought for freedom. 
Now, for people not aware, remember this name, please. Remember this name, Linda Thomas Greenfield. Linda Thomas Greenfield. Linda Thomas Greenfield. She is the UN ambassador to the United Nations. And she is a person, okay, that's behind Joe Biden that's worked with all the nations in the United Nations every day. Every day to make sure they have stayed together as a team. She's the one that communicates with all the nation presidents, all their ambassadors, <clears throat> excuse me, to make sure that they're all on the same page. And so she's a black woman that's again doing great, great things. And you don't hear her name a lot, okay? But when you hear the United Nations doing something, she's the representative for the United States that goes to the United States and sitting on all their meetings, anticipating all the meetings going on. And the United States has stayed strong. And uh, right now, one of the things that President Ukraine was afraid to leave his country some months ago, but look at him now. He came to the United States first, and now he's uh, on a trip in some other countries right now. Uh, that's a blessing for him that he's that secure. We pray for him and his family by all means, okay, that uh, he gets the, the weapons that he needs. Right now, tanks are coming to him from all around the world. Tanks, okay, real tanks. His army is being revealed. And you say, why is it so important for us to fight in Ukraine? Well, if Ukraine is fighting for uh, freedom, and it's like most wars are fought in not in the United States, not in Russia, but right now, right now, whoever wins Ukraine will, matter of fact, see a control of the free world. And right now, Vladimir Putin wants to show here he has might, but so far he's proven to be uh, like, well, you know, we can say this rev the Wizard of Oz. You know, he has not did what he said he could do. Because he's lost his great battleship that was taken out. He's tr tr uh, traded journals and stuff. And even right now, he's afraid of his own life. But Miss, Mrs., I should say, Linda Thomas Greenfield is a person right now that's, that's been making sure that things stay together. And we thank you so much for her and, you know, and all of the black, strong females in our lives that have kept us men together. You know, and, but most most women, like Scott, you enjoying your anniversary. Rev had his, and I just had mine of November. But our wives were the one behind us that allowed us to do what we're doing now. And that's why coming on Valentine's weekend, you know, a week, so to speak, we thank, we thank God for them. Every day. Every day. Now, one of the biggest things going on in the world right now is the Super Bowl. Now, unfortunately for St. Louis, Missouri, just again, St. Louis, Missouri, the first team that we lost was the uh, Chinese Cardinals. And they moved to Arizona, okay? And so the Super Bowl is now being played in Arizona. And in it, okay, we had the Kansas City Chiefs, for you see that aware, and Philadelphia Eagles. Now, for the first time in, in football history, you have two black 
young quarterbacks, young quarterbacks who are leading their teams. And both quarterbacks, just this, this, this past week, uh, or I think it was Thursday night, uh, uh, Patrick Holmes, uh, wow, won his second most valuable player for the year of 2022. You know, and he, he won that on a bad leg, okay? <laughs> he did it, he did it the hard way. So again, uh, tomorrow, uh, they'll go, they'll, they'll play their games, okay? And also, one of the things that we had to give, give some respect to, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, Patrick's favorite receiver, his brother plays for the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, and Kelsey's mother will be in the stands, and she has, for the first time, there's a mother that has two sons. Earlier this week, okay, uh, I made a comment on LinkedIn but one of our leaders in the NASDAQ team of commerce and uh, in that business, they made a comment post where there was the Philadelphia Eagles for the first time had a black female coach to coach in the Super Bowl. And my response was that every time, you know, uh, you know, most of these football players, majority of them uh, in their practices, the mother took them to practice. Every day, you know, you know, some people know, mother, mother picked them. Now, the fathers went to the games, don't get me wrong, okay, all the way up into college, you know. You know, the mothers, you know, the ones that nurtured them get there. Now, if you notice, every time, the majority of the time, first thing the NFL player says when he gets drafted, I'm going to buy my mama a car, okay. You know, so that's the And I said that the Jeffy Eagles is not the first black female it's going to participate in the Super Bowl. And we'll be proud of her also. And um, another thing that we're proud, proud to say, that for the last two or three years, we've been every Saturday saying to you over and over again, uh, wear your face mask. Uh, matter of fact, the Missouri Team of Commerce was fortunate enough to pass out over 10, 000, almost 10,000 face masks in the state of Missouri to the small areas to the rural areas, to the city areas, and to the churches and the black businesses around our state. And when that, with KNY95 face mask that was provided us, to the NASDAQ team of commerce. And so I want to, you know, let everyone knows that, but in our state, still the numbers are up, but around the country, uh, as the winter season and it comes to an end, and we're looking at right now at spring, the coronavirus and COVID-19 viruses, you know, uh, and, and I do this every Saturday. I include the Delta virus, the Omicron, and also all the ones that came after that, and even one that's here now. Well, based on uh, uh, information provided by the Center for Disease, the CDC, uh, good news is that we, the week that counts for COVID-19 deaths and COVID-19 cases continue to go down. And also, when you do get it now, you know, people I know who have gotten it the second time, some third time, they're not hospitalized. So that shows that the vaccines that was created are now working. They are now working. So please get vaccinated if you're not vaccinated. And more vaccinations mean the more lives you save. And you're not just saving your life, you're saving your loved ones. You go around, 
And so right now we ask you to please, when you can, wear your face mask. And when we go out this past uh, Thursday rib, I was so proud of Missouri Machina Commerce when we met with our county executive, Dr. Sam Page, in his office this past Thursday, that all of our members came in with face masks on. Right, Rip? Right. <laughs> right, okay. <laughs> and we mm-hmm. all came in with face masks to the meeting, okay? And it made me feel very proud of my, of, my, of my members, okay? And that was a great meeting, and we'll talk about that a little bit more later on. But right now, uh, we saying, please get your booster shots. Uh, you know, like I said, you got to have the shots and medicine in your that body, okay, for you to have a chance to not be in the hospital. And, well, one of the things that we all been talking about, uh, but, again, continue to wear those face masks, you know, and, and, uh, and make sure you know, use those testing kits that you can get for, for free now. And, by the way, President Biden, come May, he's going to end this emergency for the vaccine, no, for the pandemic. So please, if you can't get all your medicine stuff done, get your tests done and the shots done now while they are free. Free, 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 free. Now, also, this past week, uh, uh, well, this is last night, uh, the, uh, yes, I should say, the United States of America, under the orders of President Joe Biden, uh, shot down another uh, obstacle that was in the air. Now, you was aware of the balloon that traveled across our country. And the first time you said it was the weather balloon that was out of control. They didn't know what it was. It was a weather balloon. Well, now that uh, it's down, shot down by the president, in the uh, in the ocean there, you know, of, of the South Carolina coast. Now it's being called a spy surveillance balloon. It changed it, okay. And but the good part about that is all the criticism that went by the president allowing that to be shot down in the ocean, okay. We have recovered all the information that we needed, okay, to verify that it wasn't weather balloon. And so this uh, yesterday. Uh, the United States, you know, yesterday afternoon or the morning time where you were, shut down a second object that came across at the tip of Can- uh, Alaska. And this time, uh, it was up there on the tip, you know, right across, you know, you know, you know Russia up in there. And when it came across there, the United States shut it down right away. When it got over the water, the water was frozen. And so that minimized, you know, the damage being falling out. And the, and the part here was, this was a much smaller balloon. And this time you had a smaller, uh, something they carried, wasn't a big, big, you know, load they had. It was a small car this time. That's about the size of it. Now, by the way, for people not aware of history, uh, balloons have not have been a part of uh, fighting war for years. They used balloons for years going back to do surveillance and you know, you know, even wars for years. So using balloons that's going back to basics if you if you're not aware of it. So but in time this time the balloon was uh flying at about forty thousand feet. And again was shot down. The one that was shot down uh earlier, you know, in the week was uh flying at about sixty five thousand feet. And this balloon uh was in 40,000 feet. Most airplanes fly 
Scott, you know this better than I do. About about forty, about about forty, thirty-five thousand feet. Am I right? Thirty thousand feet. Am I right, Scott? I wouldn't know. I'm not a balloon therapist or anything like that. No, no, no. I said I said most air, airplane airliners. Oh, they're about they're about forty, thirty, forty thousand feet, I guess. Yeah, right. And so what? So what? This what this what this balloon did? It would have interfered, okay, with, with everyday traffic. And this time, it was not uh, something that could be controlled. So the president shot it down. Again, it was an F-22 fighter jet that uh, was a sidewinder missile, brought it down, you know, uh, on, on frozen ice. And so the good thing there that uh, uh, you know, the uh, all of the material that was on the inside is being recovered as we speak. And so, again, uh, we're going to see now how, and by the way, this information that's being gathered is being shared also with other nations around the world that are part of the, uh, of the fight for justice. Also, uh, this past week, what the big news was, the president uh, on Tuesday night gave his State of the Union, Joe Biden gave address to the nation, State of the Union address, saying that, the, uh, matter of fact, one of the best speeches I've heard in a long time and uh, but anyway, he kind of addressed the fact that the United States is doing well. In fact, uh, he has been probably one of the most successful presidents in the first two years in our history, and that he's addressed all the things on his agenda. Matter of fact, one of the biggest things here, he appointed the first black female to the Supreme Court. And also, uh, you know, he's been able to put money in people's pockets. Uh, you've been able, you know, to uh, provide bills that are now going around the country now, fixing your bridges, your highways, creating new jobs, creating new broadband opportunities for, for small towns. And we're taking part of that in Haytown, Missouri. So right now, he had a very you know, successful two years. I said the best in, in our history, recent history, for the last hundred years, I should say. Now, if you watch this uh, State of the Union, uh, normally, you know, people are you know, there. On the on the deals there, you have the vice president, you have the speaker of the house, which is the party, and uh, and normally the people, the Democrats or Republicans, kind of follow the lead or the speaker. Okay, if he gets up, they get up, you know. If he clap, they clap. Well, if you watch the, uh, the 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 session there, a lot of Republicans came out, you know, and helped the president, which was disrespectful, you know, uh, more than one time. But out of that came good. But now, Social Security, which is good for me and Rev, people our age, older people, will not be on the chopping block of, uh, for the uh, debt, no, for debt, no, for our, no, uh, no, for our uh, balancing of the budget. Okay? And nor will, will um, be on, on, the, on the chopping block as we go into the new year. Okay, coming up. So those two things are very important to a whole lot of people around the country, especially in our community. And also on Monday night, uh, we were happy to say that uh, the Grammy Awards, uh, 50, 50 year anniversary, celebrate hip hop, 50 years, and uh, Beyonce has received the most high, most Grammy Awards in history. And Lizzie received a record of the year and Harry Styles album of the year. And on Thursday night, as I said before, Vice, uh, uh, I call him Mr. But quarterback, Patrick Holmes became the NBC Player of the Year. 
and we'll play tomorrow against the Philadelphia Eagles. But more important in black history, uh, in, in Missouri and around the country and around the world, we're about to be introduced to a man that has accomplished all of those things. Our guest sits on the world body of the Church of God in Christ. He sits on the, there are 12 members, okay, which is the general board. He is happy to be announced that he is the second assistant presiding bishop. And they have anywhere from seven to eight million members around the world. And this young man, I'm happy to say I call him a friend, is not only that around the world, okay, but here in St. Louis, he stood as a police commissioner in St. Louis County. So now, this great man, okay, is Bishop Lawrence M. Dr. Bishop, how you doing, sir? Just doing great. Did I, get it all, did I get it all right, sir? Yes, that's just about it. Um, <laughs> just, just a servant of the Lord. Yes. For our people of God. Yes, you know, and I know people not aware, to my understanding, the Church of God in Christ is probably one of the largest black church organizations in the world, am I right? That's correct. Largest Pentecostal uh, in the United States. Yes. Yes, sir. And I'm happy. I said to call you a friend. Okay. You know. Uh, and uh, no. And first of all, I'm giving. We talking about happy anniversaries. Okay. Uh, uh, this is Valentine weekend, and you have a beautiful wife, Lady Wooten. Uh, we spoke last night. <laughs> She's already always by your side. So right now, what a man be without you know, a, a partner. That's right. And, and that's what the Bible says, okay? God gave Adam a partner. <laughs> help me. Uh, help. Help me. Yes. <laughs> help me his knees. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, Bishop, before we go any further, okay, well, if you be so kind, why don't you just tell us a little bit? I know you graduated from Sumner High School. I know you went to, uh, not sure it was Sumner, okay? But I do know that you went to Harris Stowe. But in those days, it was Harris Stowe uh, Teacher's College. And now it's Harris Stowe State University. Uh, it is now an HBCU. But you attended that college years ago when the tuition was $20 an hour, okay? So tell us a little bit about your history story from Harris Stowe University. Well, even backing up further than that, no one in my family had ever uh, gone to college, had finished college. And God just put down in my spirit that I wanted a college degree. Yes, sir. And uh, at that time in the 50s, they were saying once you got a high school diploma, that was the, the uh, apex and uh, <laughs> yes, the zenith. And so... When I had gotten my high school uh, degree, um, I just want to praise God that he turned my life around uh, while I was in high school. I, I was a young thug, a gang banger, and uh, wanted to be a gambler and, <laughs> and uh, did a lot of things that were not correct and proper. Yes, sir. But the Lord got a hold to my <laughs> life. He got my attention. Okay. 
and uh, Bishop, 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 what high school did you go to? I got to ask that question, okay? Bashan, Bashan Wolverine. <laughs> okay, yes, sir. Yeah, I, I ran cross country, and okay. uh, at that time, uh, uh, we had the state championship. We beat everyone oh, in every wow. week. Yeah. Okay. And, and uh, so, uh, Lord. Got a hold of my attention. I would laugh at people in church. <laughs> Went to one revival one night. This young man started praising God, up dancing, and I started laughing at him. <laughs> and the Lord spoke to me. He said, "Look at him. Look at him. He Amen. has something you don't have." Mm. And that and I wiped that smile right off my face, and I stopped laughing. Oh wow! Sat down. I rubbed my elbow against his, but. It didn't rub off. Mm. And, and that night after the church service, I went outside. And the devil talked to me like a natural man. See, you don't have anything. You don't have anything. Keep on cussing. Keep on gambling. Keep on lying. Keep on stealing. Doing all the stuff you're doing. You don't have anything, do you? Do you? Mm-hmm. He's the devil, but he was telling the truth. <laughs> I said, <laughs> I said, you're right. <laughs> You're right. I said, but I'm going to start seeking God. I don't know. God may come to me and I turn away from him and may never find him and end up in hell. I said, I don't know how, but I'm going to start seeking God. Amen. Amen. That same night, that same night, walking down LeCleed Avenue near Ewing, and uh, Anderson Mm. was walking next to me. He said, listen to that noise coming from that house. In fact, my child is getting and tore up getting a beating. I said, no, that's a different sign. He said, man, I'm closer to the house than you, you next to the street and uh, the traffic. I said, no, that's a different sound. I said, let's go see. We walked up the steps, opened the door. We opened the door. There was a hallway with two doors off the hallway. Just yes, around. Sound like they have a church or something. And my faith lit up and I started beating on that door. And a little girl opened the door. Mm. I, I stepped inside, did a home invasion, and looked around. When I looked around, there was a teenager laying prostrate on the floor, speaking in the heavenly language. Her mother wow. was standing over her. And I went in those folks' house, went in their living room, fell on my knees, and threw my hands up, said, Lord, forgive me my sin. Lord, forgive mm. me my sin. Wow. Tears started running down. I felt the love of God, the forgiveness of God. Oh, my and, God. And the man of the house came and said, uh, testify, testify. I didn't even know anything about testifying. I, I'm Lawrence Wu. <laughs> <laughs> I lived out on Jefferson. <laughs> and, that was a bad name in them days. Yes. <laughs> and, and, uh, and, I, and I just praised God walking home. Tears running down my face. Sometimes huh. my, my gang bangers on the court. Man, what's going down? What's wrong? What's wrong? Tears running down my face. I mm. went home and I told my brother, Jesse, in the front room. I said, Jesse, what, man? I said, I'm saved. Mm. And then my mm-hmm. auntie, Aunt Charlie, that's said, Aunt, what? I said, I'm saved. Went upstairs. Mother, dear, told my mother, I said, I'm saved. She said, oh, get away from me, boy. But she knew I would make fun of folks in church. Mm. She looked and saw you know, I was serious and saw the And I said, I want that Holy Ghost. I, I want that Holy Ghost. Wow. She said, oh, my God. My mother was a beautician. She, 
she called up a missionary. She said, my son is saving, and he wants that Holy Ghost. And she mm. said, would you come over and pray with him? Oh, wow. And so the missionary came over and started praying with me and said, call on Jesus. That's when the devil showed his whole court. You know, if you play poker, if you know the whole court. You know, if you got a winning hand or not. Right. <laughs> the devil showed his whole court because the more I try to call on Jesus, the more he tried to distract me. You're tired, you're tired. I said, oh, no, no. I've been tired before. I, when I run a race, I never stopped and I crossed the finish line. Ah, uh, you're hungry. I said, oh, no, no, I don't have food for it. He just kept, you know, like a fly or something. That's trying to interfere with me calling on Jesus. Mm. And, is, and listen, he, he attacked me so that it looked like somebody was literally choking me. If you call on Jesus another time, you're going to die. You're going to die. felt like somebody was literally choking me. And I paused and stopped. And I thought, I said, that glory that I felt, that joy that I felt back there on the clean avenue. I said, I'd rather be dead than not have Jesus. When I said that, my seal in my room just disappeared. I saw these big gates open up and the light hit me. Oh God, I'm about a holy roller down in the floor. I went praising God, thanking God. They kept trying to say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Another language to coming out. Hallelujah. Amen. God is so real. And I know He's real. He's real in my life. He's brought me from a long way. I, I wasn't a churchman. I wasn't a churchy fellow, but I know the Lord is real. Now, listen, I went and got my gang members and said, Hey, we going to church. We going where? I said, We're going to church. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and I brought them to church. The saints couldn't get in the service because they were watching us. Amen. I just, just praise God. So I said, I, I know what it means to be a sinner. And I know what it means to be saved. I said, so I, I'm, I'm giving the Lord my life. Yeah. He said, man, you're going to the dances. I said, no, no, I'm not dancing there anymore. I'm dancing. I got a different place I'm dancing. I'm dancing in the church now. Yes, hallelujah. Amen. So this God is real. Amen. Yeah. So I thank God he's brought me from a mighty, mighty long way. And I, I you know, I well, love well, well, him. Well, Bishop, let me say this to you, Bishop. I recall yeah. right before the pandemic, you know, came, <clears throat> back to the Kansas City Child Trailblazer Awards. And you was one of the you know, winners, okay? And I remember uh, that you said you, you used to be a, a GB gangbanger, and now you're on the general board. Yes. yes. And I never, never heard the story before until now. Okay? And, yes. and it's truly, truly a, a, a confession, okay? Whoa. That was powerful. That's powerful. Yeah, brother, folks, you know, the devil almost had me to be a murderer. Mm. You know, I, I never backed down from a fight. I, you know, a fight, and uh, and uh, I've even nearly robbed folks and does all kind of mess. Mm. And I had this girl in my arm dancing with her, and the Lord said, you know you need to be saved, you know, on the dance floor. 
cocaine popped it because the Lord spoke to me. The girl said, what's wrong? What's wrong? And I'd lie and say, oh, I got to go to the bathroom. I got to go to the bathroom. I went into the bathroom, and this fella came and, and excuse the way he talked. He said, nigga, I'll do this to you. I'll do that to you. And I didn't even know him. He got in my face in the bathroom. And I had my automatic in my right jacket pocket. Oh, oh. And I had my hand on it. And the devil said, shoot him in the face. Shoot him in the face. And I was waiting for him to put his hands on me. And I was just going to snatch it out and just pull the trigger. And he would have been dead. I would have been a murderer right there. Wow. And the devil said, shoot him in the face. Shoot him in the face. I'll do this to you. I'll do that. And then a fella came in and just snatched back. You don't even know him. Come on, man. That saved his life and saved me from being a murderer. I was just that close to being a murderer. Wow. Yeah. So, and uh, I, I tell you, listen, you know, we would ride around for fun, put blanks in our gun and shoot at folks. Say, break out, break out, I'm right now. And pow, pow, pow. And folks would start running and diving on the ground and all that. It's just for fun. Mm. You know? And uh, uh, God brought me, he brought me, and nobody else would bring me. He brought me out of sin. Oh, a mighty long way. Yes, sir. Yeah. <clears throat> wow, Bishop. Uh, that was, well, anyway, okay, now we got you on a hassle. <laughs> now, you're, now you made it to college, okay? So let's take yeah. us from there. Yes, sir. So, when person uh, in high school, I would go to class and be gambling in the bathroom and stuff <laughs> like that. But when the Lord saved me, when he saved me and filled me with the Holy Ghost, I sat in the balcony at Bashan High School and they have an honor society mm -hmm. uh, uh, program. And they were honoring these young men and women that were uh, was being inducted to the National Honor Society. Mm -hmm. I said, then I looked, I said, hey, I can do that. I can do that. I got busy, started applying myself, and get this, when I graduated, I had the top-ranking average of all the young men at the Shine High School. It was two young ladies oh, being wow. my uh, academic uh, GPA by just a fraction of uh, decimal points. Oh my God. I was the highest ranking senior boy in my class. Congratulations. And, and uh, uh, mm. Senator Eleanor Sullivan offered me two scholarships. One was to West Point and one was to Howard University. Wow. And uh, they offered me two scholarships. Mm. And and they didn't know this, why I turned it down. I had my brother James that went to the University of Illinois, and he was just fooled around and played around and flunked out after one one semester up there. And my mm -hmm. dad had died, and my mother was a single parent, mm -hmm. a, a beautician, and we struck her. I mean, like the Lord's Prayer, give us this day our daily bread. Yes, sir. That's how we lived. I mean, it was rough. And I saw the the agony and struggle that my mother had. And I said, no, I don't want to accept these scholarships to go away. And my mother had to send me $1 to help, you know, for my education. 
and they didn't know why don't you accept these scholarships and that was the reason why I didn't tell anybody but that was down in my heart I don't want to put this burden on my mother if anything I want to help my mother Amen. So, I, so I got me a job and working, you know, after school and and uh, said I'm gonna go to Washington University. And I started working in the evening and going to school and, and I, you know, like I said, I ran track. Yes, sir. And, uh, and uh, my my speed was faster than those on the Washington University track team. Yeah, I, I, I no doubt that. And the and the coach asked me to join the track team. I said I can't afford to running track. I got to work and pay for my education. Mm-hmm. And so uh, one day I came time for the final exam and I didn't see my name mm-hmm. on the uh, list of when I would take my final exam. Yes, sir. And I, I said, what's going on here? Say, you still owe some money for your, for your tuition. If you don't pay this, you know, you will not get any grades, you'll just get all F's. You have to pay wow. pay this final tuition amount. At that time, I owed $100. That was more big money. And I had paid all I had. And I went home. I said, I don't have any more money to pay. And they're going to you know, cause me to lose out on all that I had worked for. And so uh, this this friend of my mother was visiting out of town and her prayer partner said, well, this young man, he's a saved young man, but he, he's, he's short of a hundred dollars. And this sister Rosetta, she said, here, I'll just give him a hundred dollars. And she gave me that hundred dollars to pay the rest of my tuition. And I was able to pass my test and get ready for the next semester. But then it came time for the next semester. You had to pay for your tuition and I said I don't have any money what am I going to do and uh, and my head was down I said they are going to laugh at me because I won't be able to go to college they told me I need to you know, get a job anyway and not be trying to go to college mm-hmm. and, and get this my mother was praying and her prayer partner was praying and I, I tell you I was not praying I was just down and I said, yeah, they're going to be laughing at me. I'm about to drop out of college. And while I was there with my head hung down, the Lord showed me an open vision. I saw a man walking on water in a white robe. Wow. As Peter walked the water by faith. And then I saw a beautiful sky with, with clouds, beautiful blue sky. He says, I rule the heaven by faith. And then I saw uh, uh, the uh, chapel of uh, Washington University in it, and it said, as I, uh, Brookings Hall, as you go in Washington University up the main driveway, they use that right. Brookings Hall. I saw Brookings Hall. He said, he said, I'm going to put you into Washington University by faith. Mm. And my, my faith just lit up, and I just started praising God, praising God. And then this lady that was in prayer, she said, who is Dean? Who is Dean? I said, uh, it's not who is Dean. That's a title, like a principal. Right. So, the dean. So, uh, dean. So I went out to uh, Washington University 
and uh, I went to the, I said, I need to talk to the dean. And I said, I need to go to school, but I don't have any money. They said, you need to talk to Dean Jensen. I remember his name even today. And I went and I said, uh, sir, I said, I don't have any money, but I, I want to go to school. He said, any way you can help me, any way you can help me. And he said, young man, if you had been here a couple of weeks ago, we would have had funds to help you. I'm sorry. There's nothing we can do for you now. I got up and I just sat there at his, at in front of his desk. He said, "I'm." I said, "I'm sorry. There's nothing we could do for you. You know, we we don't have any funds." And I still, and I still sat there. And then he stood up and carried us. I said, <clears throat> "I said." He said, "Wait a minute. Wait a minute." He said, "We had a young man that, uh, that." He has an inheritance or something coming. They wrote him a letter, and we were able to give him uh, education on that uh, letter. I said, do you have anything like that? I said, I'll get you a letter. Now, get this. My dad had died, mm-hmm. and, and I, unfortunately, how folks act when, when someone dies, they, they, get, <laughs> they get greedy. And <laughs> so my father's uh, relatives is all. Uh, my uncles and aunt had hired a lawyer to try to get the inheritance for my dad from us. They, they you know, my mother was a single parent, and they had really, you know, just came and taken the, his car and stuff. So I went to their attorney downtown St. Louis. Mm. I said, I want a letter that I got some money coming to me to pay my tuition at Washington University. He said, I'm not your attorney. I'm working against you. I said, he said, you can come back in a couple of weeks and we'll see what we can do. I said, I need it today. <laughs> he said, oh, well, come back at four o'clock and get this. My, you know, my hoopty wasn't running. My car wasn't running. So I had to catch the bus downtown. Okay. And so I walked into his office at four o'clock and the secretary said, he's in a conference and can't be disturbed. That very minute he walked out, I said, give him the letter, give him the letter. And I said, thank you, sir. I took the letter. I didn't even read it. I just took it. I said, I get this. I said, Lord, now how do I get to Washington University from downtown St. Louis? Yeah, that's a right away. Yeah. He said, I said, go up Olive and turn left and go across 6th Street. Go across 6th Street. He said, then, uh, okay, you're on Washington. He said, right. <laughs> there's a bus. I ran up to that bus and I looked at it and said, I said, Lord, this won't take me to Washington University. This is a V Avenue bus. So right. I looked in front of this bus. You know how buses be bumping the bump. I got off that bus and went looked in front of it. He said, Linda Wider. And that mm-hmm. takes you right yeah. to <laughs> Washington University. I sat on that bus and would roll that bus and when they got in front of Washington University and to get to Dean Jensen's office. I took off running. I mean, it's like running a mile. And the, the uh, Graham Chapel bell started ringing at 5 o'clock. Bang, bang. And I was running. And I made it to his office. His secretary he was putting on her coat, getting ready to leave. And I ran in just waving the letter. I was out of breath, couldn't even talk, just waving the letter. <laughs> and he said, hold it, hold it, hold it. Type him a letter that he could go to school. 
So she had to sit down and take off her coat and type in that letter. And, uh, and then my name being Woot, this was the last day for registration. All the lines you know, had been used, but there was one person having a problem. So that there was one line open. I ran oh my God. That, that line and, and got registered. God is a mighty God. Amen. <laughs> awesome. Yes. Amen. He will do it. He will do it. No will. Yes. So, so I said, I don't want to put this on anybody else. So I took the post office test and started working at the U.S. post office as a clerk. And I said, I want to go to school. So I volunteered to work in parcel post. But mm. you have to these sacks of mail and you know, right. dirty job. As a clerk, you can just sit there in your jersey, your your slacks, and just do mail. But mm-hmm. I volunteered to, to work at Parcel Post at night. For, and, the, and this uh, foreman said, if you would work for me, because other folks didn't want to do that dirty job. Right. I'll procure you work, you know, 1030 at night to 7 in the morning. I give you regular work, you know, hours. And I said, I'll gladly work. So that way I could work at at night and go to school during the day. And yes, that's sir. what I was doing. And Lord bless me to <laughs> work my way to get my degree. Going to school uh, during the day and working at the post office at night, paying my tuition. Mm. Uh, and I encouraged my brother, uh, James. I said, now, you've been in the Air Force and the government will pay for your Education and I have to pay for man. I said you need to get back in school. So I encouraged him to go to school. He did. He came back and he went to Aristotle just like I did. And I don't know if there's anybody else, but we were two brothers. We crossed and got our PhD together Ooh. from Washington, uh, from St. Louis University. We went across the, the stage together. Two brothers got our PhD together. He is Dr. James H. Wooten, and I was Dr. Lawrence M. Wooten together at mm. University. But that's the, I give God all the glory. Yes, sir. Wow, Mr. Wooten. You know, Mr. Wooten, uh, every time I talk to you, okay, you know, uh, I'm just amazed what I learned. And I know right now, uh, You've been heard around the world, okay? Uh, you've been heard on what's Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and, uh, uh, and as well as streaming on our, on our own radio station. But uh, it'll, be on, it'll be on Spotify, but I, I, I encourage any anyone and everybody go to Spotify or YouTube and put up today's program and listen to it because that is a story, not a testimony, that's a story with a testimony. Shows you where this man is where he's at now. And he did it the hard way. He said he was a gangbanger. Now, right. the bitch of people out of the world, okay, explain to me what is it, Church of God in Christ and the general group? Well, the Church of God in Christ is in over 112 countries across the world. Uh, and we serve the community. We serve the people of God all over the world, throughout the different nations. 
and there's a 12-member board. That's the board of directors called the General Board. And the presiding bishop is the Honorable Bishop J. Drew Sheard. And uh, the first assistant is Bishop Jerry Wayne Macklin from Hayward, California. And the Lord has blessed our second assistant presiding bishop of the Church of God in Christ. We serve the people of God in our headquarters. Is in, they're in Memphis, Tennessee, and we, we serve the people of God all over the world. And even personally, I've done the ministry in different countries, uh, and uh, thank God that even we've adopted a, a village there in Uganda, and uh, we adopted two little babies from Uganda. Uh, we supported orphanages. We went there, and, and uh, so we, uh, what are we, at one time we were supporting like over 200 orphans in, wow. our, in our school there in Uganda. And we were uh, uh, educating them. And so uh, there was one little uh, baby that was say, was born in the hospital and had, didn't have a parent. So the wife and I said, well, let's adopt that little girl mm. and bring her to America. And we... So I sent her over to do the adoption and found out that wasn't true. That uh, this lady didn't want to give up her baby. But when they heard that this, this lady from the United States had come to adopt a little baby, I mm-hmm. mean, but it came with children from everywhere to, for adoption. And um, so the wife said, what I'll do, I'll select four and have them medically examined and then choose one of the four. And she mm-hmm. took two other missionaries with her, uh, missionary Sharon Williams and missionary Sharon uh, uh, Taylor, mm-hmm. uh, Sharon Williams and uh, Sister Taylor. And they went with her and they were there and I was here in the United States. And that on the service one night, after service, it was late at getting home from service on Tuesday night. Mm-hmm. Lord spoke to me, he said, call your wife and tell her to bring the baby named Sarah. Oh, wow. So, so this was late here at night, like midnight. It was the next day there in Uganda. Mm-hmm. So, I, so I called the wife and I said, the Lord said, bring the baby named Sarah. She said, I've chosen this little toddler, this little 16-month-old toddler named Grace. She got my attention and won my heart. She just came out and started praising God, praising God, and just dancing and praising God. And I've chosen her. And 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 she said, but there is another little baby here, about 10 months old, uh, named Sarah. I said, bring them both. Bring them both. Amen. Amen. And, and so the Lord had blessed, and we adopted uh Grace and Sarah, and now there are two fine young ladies that love yes. the Lord. I know. I, I, the Holy I, I, Ghost. I met them both. I met them both, and they are beautiful, beautiful young ladies. Yeah, God is using them greatly. Yeah, Grace is way at University of Missouri, first year in college, and <laughs> has all A's. And Sarah, she's in ministry now. She, she's a licensed missionary. And, she brings the word heavily and anointed 
and God has you know, blessing her. She's an A student. So God has blessed us at one of the 17 and other 16. So God is good. Yeah. Also, awesome. this, 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 we would be remiss, okay? Well, somebody that you said to me, okay, a couple of years ago, uh, Lawrence M. Wooten Jr., tell us about him. That's 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 my son. Okay. Elder Lawrence Wooten Jr., he's uh, my first born son. He's uh, in the ministry, and he, I thank God for him. He's the one that God has blessed me, has my name, and he and he he loves God, and he's supportive here at the church. And I just thank God for him. I have a, another daughter named Kimberly, and uh, so God knows how to bless this this manner through the. Yes. You know, you know, you know, bitch. Uh, I want to let people know this and God is okay. Uh, but you call him Winky. I just call him, I just call him Mr. Woodball all the time. Yeah, that's Winky. <laughs> yeah. He just yeah. went, through, went through a kidney transplant. Most recently. Yeah, yeah he had a uh, kidney transplant years ago and, and they wanted to do uh, a biopsy uh, for him. Uh, and he said, I don't need a biopsy. Everything shows well. And they just insisted that they did a biopsy uh, for his prostate and and got him with an infection. And that infection caused him to lose that kidney. Oh, that my God. Had, had a kidney transplant. And but through prayer and believing God, God no. has blessed him with a new kidney now. Just last year, just last year, just last year. So, yeah. So, thank God for that. Yes. Amen. And, and, and matter, matter, as a matter of fact, we're not aware. You know, St. Louis Chamber, St. Louis, St. Louis Chamber He is our, he is our president of our local chamber here in the city of St. Louis. By the way, let, let everybody know that also. Okay. Now, Bishop, one of the things, okay, that I, I'd like to talk to you about that you've been so modest. Uh, you also uh, served in St. Louis County as a police commissioner. You know, some years. Tell us about what that entails to be a commissioner of a police department. Well, as a matter of fact, no matter where St. Louis City has a city, it has a county. The county is larger than the city, by the way. Yeah. Okay, okay. And well, so even, even before being a, a police commissioner for St. Louis County, I had served as the chaplain of the 7th District. Yes. Uh, St. Louis Police Department. I served that for, for a few years. And then uh, I was elected to be the police commissioner for St. Louis County uh, unanimously. Everyone gave me a favorable vote. Mm -hmm. And I was a police commissioner for St. Louis County. And I served on that great um, police commissioner board. And what I had learned, you know, uh, officers are uh, serve and protect, but I would tell people, you know, you have good policemen and you have some bad apples. And I would tell uh, people, if the police not doing what they're supposed to do, write it up, give a report. Don't just talk about it and don't just be fussing about it. Write a report. 
and then we had a system where anyone had a complaint of a police officer they could write a written report and we had a special unit that would investigate any written reports yes. against the police officers then their finding of this uh, uh, group would report their findings to the police commissioners until this was a problem this was a complaint this how it was handled and we would get their written report and we could agree or disagree with it and say ah we, f we feel this should be uh, further investigated we feel that this was not correct or the police report I recall one incident this person wrote up a report I guess a police officer said the police had had stopped them uh, a motorcycle rider mm -hmm. and had, had damaged their motorcycle and the police was angry because uh, they felt this person had outrun them on the motorcycle. Okay. They stopped them. They said, I caught up with you. He said, no, I, I'm not the person that outran you. Uh, and, and the police officer damaged their motorcycle, knocked it over, pushed it down, and you know, caused damage to that motorcycle. Mm -hmm. They wrote up a complaint, and the person said, you can check the service station down the street where I was. Go there and check the, their video. The person that did outrun the police was in there bragging how he outran the police on his motorcycle. It was not me, but someone else. But the police thought it was me and took it out on me and damaged my uh, motorcycle and wanted to say no, they didn't. I didn't damage it, it just fell over something and uh, so when I got the report and read the report I said I agree with this citizen that that officer did damage his you know, uh, motorcycle and uh, he needed to be handled for that so you know having a board that would investigate any complaints and not you know, uh, just take it at their word uh, is very necessary that's what we would do as police commissioners we would get these written reports and we had to weigh in do you agree with the findings of what how was this was handled we would do that from time to time you know on, on these different issues but i would tell people write up your complaint don't just talk about it don't just fuss about it but write it up so that's what st louis county has uh, in place it has a uh a special unit that will investigate any written complaints against any police officer. Okay, now, now Bishop Moon, I kind of uh, happy you know, that we had the history of you. So needless to say, anyone know that you are a honorable young man. And by the way, just just before we change subject here, just last October, okay, I was honored to be invited. You know, to be a part of your you know, ascent to the second desired ambition in Church God in Christ. Uh, it was a beautiful affair, you know, and, uh, and, and in there, okay, uh, he was honored by, by Bishop Shears, you know, the, 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 the residing bishop. Yes. And it was a glorious time, glorious time. You know, and I was able to sit at the table with your family, with your daughters and Winky and all those. 
I was so honored, okay. Now, I, I say that to say, okay, that that you are respected not just around the world, but on that day, okay, you turned 82 years old, 82 years young. And so I want people to know, okay, that you know what yeah, folks, I, I tell them I'm just 28 turned around. You're 28 turned around. <laughs> You're 28 turned around, okay? <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, but, uh, but, uh, but, but I haven't said that, Bishop. I'd like to uh, get your thoughts, sir, about the uh, unfortunate death of a young man in Memphis, Tennessee, where the uh, Church of God in Christ headquarters is located. There, you know, uh, you know, and, and for people not aware, one thing that we all know, Bishop, you know, we know this that the more that's hidden, the truth will come to the light. Yes. And, and just yesterday, you know, uh, I have friends, we all got friends in Memphis, okay, they'll say an hour, that, they did not tell the whole story. Well, the, the story has come out, okay, that uh, one officer that stopped him, you know, said he pulled, pulled him over, okay, he was not speeding or driving recklessly. So the truth has came out. Now, having said that, that was last month, okay, and the young man is dead now. Yes. So, so as a former police commissioner, sir, give me your insights or your thoughts, okay, about some of the missteps or some of the things that you know, we can learn from this tragic situation, in, uh, of Mr., uh, you know, Tyree Nichols and his family. And also, uh, I was happy to say that, you know, learn that, his services was held in a Church of God in Christ Church in Memphis, Tennessee. Yes. That, yep. you know, and I was also surprised to know, okay, that Reverend A.L. Shorten, okay, got stood also in the Church of God in Christ. True. Yes. Yeah. So, I'm, so, so right now in our history of this country and on the world, the Church of God in Christ has been very instrumental in a lot of business getting started. A lot of schools being started, and the, and and I mean, and it's consistently because the church has always been there and to support his ministers and his leaders, and you know, and like Al Charlton said, you know, he wouldn't be what he was without the church God in Christ. Yes, we we definitely believe in you know, uh, for the best for our people, for all people, especially for our people, and uh, we. Our headquarters, like you say, is there in Memphis, and it really saddens our heart that they would let that happen. Yes, uh, everyone should be held accountable. But like I was saying, there's some uh, bad apples you find in the barrel, and those truly were bad apples. And unfortunate, uh, they were even black bad apples yeah. that would per perpetuate that type of violence and wrongdoing on an individual. See. Uh, they were just bullying and, and uh, it was uncalled for to treat anyone like that, to, to not recognize their their rights uh, and to murder that man because they had a badge. Uh, and that that was un, un, unheard of and shouldn't have ever happened. I hope it never happens again. 
they need to be held fully accountable. And, and you know, I, I look back, sometimes these people get badges and it's really the, their low self-esteem hides behind a badge and they become, become bullies. I, you know, I mentioned I'd worked at the post office at night. Yes, sir. There was this white fellow that they would pick on, and uh, and he would, you know, uh, they would bully him. And one night we heard this fellow screaming and yelling, "Help! Help! He's gonna get me! He's gonna get me!" And and everybody stopped working, went to look to see this this uh, this. Uh, young man was down there working with us in fossil post and we're like, what are you talking about? He's threatening me. He's going to hurt me. And we looked and it was Martin. Martin was the one that everybody had picked on. He had bullied him, but he had had fooled this guy that he was a bad guy, a tough guy. And Mm -hmm. this man all fearful say, oh, Martin, you better go sit down somewhere and leave this man alone. You know, Mm -hmm. but, and I've seen this, you know, Sometimes, uh, uh, in my subdivision, I, this young man, he was uh, grew up in the subdivision around our neighborhood. And he was a, I hate to say it, he was like a little wimp. Mm-hmm. And all the other teenagers just would, would beat up on him and all that. This young man became a police officer. Mm-hmm. And when he became a police officer, looked like he was shaking this bitterness out on anyone he could. Mm. And so that's the type of element you have many times hiding behind a badge. They grew up, you know, not feeling sufficient in themselves and want to take advantage of that badge. And that should not be. People that, you know, in leadership over them should hold them accountable and hold them to higher standards. Well, Bishop, I, I, I would be remiss, okay, but you just explained the, the, what happened in San Luis County where the uh, young man uh, outran the police officer and he got the wrong man, but the police officer took his frustration out. Now, in Memphis, okay, they never told us what type of young car this young man had, but, uh, you know, and they, but one thing we know, he wasn't speeding, he wasn't driving recklessly, okay, so he had to get some jealousy. And he, plus he was making good money working at the Federal Express, and we all know they made good money. And, and plus, this was in his own neighborhood also. Yes. And he was trying to make it to his mother's home. Yes. Just a block from his mother's, you know. That, that was just unmerciful. They had him calling for his mother and he beating him to death. And, you know. The bishop, there's a former police commissioner, okay, you know, and you know, and and, and a man of God, okay. As we kind of play, you know, uh, Monday quarterback. What are your thoughts? To, uh, what can be done in Memphis, Tennessee? Uh, first of all, that unit has been disbanded, and there are investigations right now by district attorney in all of their previous arrests, you know, that's taking place here. And also, one other thing here, when he. One of the officers took a picture and sent it to somebody else, okay, bragging about what they had done. Yeah. And that's the lowest of the lowest to me. 
you know, that, that to me in the community, they, they should be, they should even want to show their faith. Yeah, they, well, actually, they were acting like a, a gang. Yeah. Instead of police officers, you know. That gang man, that gang man. Yeah, that's, you know, like I said before, the Lord saved me, we was gang man. We, you know, we'd beat a fellow down, you know, and, and uh, help one another to beat someone down. And mm-hmm. that's what they were doing. They were, they were gang banging. They were acting as police officers. Yeah. Taking advantage of the badge. Yeah. So, so bitch, what, 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 you know, if you was asked, okay, what would you advise the, the police commissioners or the police department? First of all, they also, I, I give them credit that the police chief was a black, young black female. He did something that's unheard of. She released the footage, okay, in record time. And then she immediately, okay, fired those men right away. Okay, so now having said that, that was un- unheard of, okay, of, of, of the police department not trying to hide the information. And I guess my question is, what, 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 as you come back, you know, looking at this, what are your thoughts about why, why it's taking so long? And why, why, no, what, what would you do right now if you're the commissioner? We'd have a full investigation of each officer and uh, deal with them appropriately that mm-hmm. if they committed a criminal offense. So just don't let them hide behind their police officer. Uh, the law is for everyone should be equally served. Give them their rights, and uh, and they have a right to to go to jail, as well as a right to be free if they're innocent. But uh, that that need to be they need to be dealt with. You just don't allow a bunch of thugs to walk around behind a badge and, and take advantage of people. And unfortunately, you know, they they said that really the police department came out of being, you know, the Ku Klux Klan. Yeah. Yeah, so so we don't want that. If you're going to you know, be a police officer, it's to protect and serve. Do that. And, uh, and those that's over them should hold them accountable to keep their, their vows, keep their pledges to do just that. Well, bitch, one of my, some of my experience, okay, like you mentioned early on about the bully, I had, I worked with a young man, you know, now in college, and we went for, for the phone company in the summertime, and he, and like I said, uh, he was bullied by the kids and everybody else, okay, and plus his father was a police force, but he said then, I'm, when, 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 I said, what you gonna do? I'm gonna, he said, I'm gonna become a policeman. I said, really? He said, yeah. He said, and I'm going to give me a badge, okay, and give me a gun, and I'm going to pay everybody back. And guess what? Guess what, bitch? You became a captain on the police department. Yep. And, and guess what, bitch? In the same world back in the days, they had police officers that, that knocked down doors that were gangbangers in the police department. He was one of them. Yep. He took advantage of the system. And I guess, bitch, the, the thing, okay, that you mentioned there, the plan has been something that's really alive and well. And in the South, which I came from, the local police department that's in existence down there, you know, still have clan membership or family members of somebody 
that are now on the police department. And, and another thing, bitch, and then we all see this, a lot of black men get on the police force and they make forget they're black men. And they become part of the culture. Yeah. So, so power, power corrupts, an absolute power corrupts, absolutely. That's, that's what happens. Some people don't know how to, how to handle it. Well, well, well bitch, we, we've been just enjoying, okay, by our uh, great leader, Mr. Chuck D. Bowles, of the NASDAQ Team of Congress. And uh, Chuck, welcome to the program. Thank you. What a what an honor and a pleasure to be here and to uh, join in the conversation. Yeah, right now. Oh, Chuck! Hey! Oh! You know, uh, are, are we talking about the uh, abuse of, of, of the uh, uh, responsibility? Yeah. Well, see, let me tell you first, okay, you're talking to uh, the, the second assistant presiding bishop of the Church of God in Christ, Lawrence M. Wooden Sr., okay? And and he told for him to be a gangbanger. Well, we, when he always said, you know, I was a GB gangbanger, and now I'm on the general board of the Church of God in Christ worldwide. And so he's our guest today, okay? And he's also a former police commissioner in St. Louis County. And he just was telling, okay, how they had encountered some you know, officer, you know, and you know, and how they dealt with it. And 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 I know you're aware, Chuck, but the Church of God in Christ headquarters is located in Memphis, Tennessee. And so he was kind of talking about we were talking about just starting to talk about what happened in Memphis. Well, yes, sir, you you're right on board. I'm gonna get that background first. And our presiding bishop, Bishop J. Drew Sheard, he wrote a letter uh, condemning the action of those police and that, that how we stand for righteousness and justice for all men. That was just shameful how those officers did that. And we want us to know that we don't put up with no foolishness like that. And it's just terrible that it had to be black officers that also perpetuated that. So yes, we are talking about Memphis, Tennessee. Yeah, it's not. It's 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 difficult to talk about only in that it is stark and it's obvious. And what you know, it's it's almost like one of the things you put on social media and look at all the different comments and different viewpoints and different things you get. Because first of all, it was totally bad is wrong and, 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 you know I, I would even dare to wonder if there's anything good about it but uh the, the story this that's going to be the underlying story is those you know i'm just gonna say brothers i embrace them as a, a black in this case black officers uh abusing the authority on a uh a citizen now i don't know all the details about had the guy broke any laws or anything but you know the back the back you know that that's that's even makes it just that much more horrible pull over for a traffic stop or whatever whatever the brake light was out or what any excuse will do and uh you know to, to find out that the uh subject the victim the gentleman was i guess involved with somebody's ex-wife or wife or, or something like that that there's some personal ties here to this okay. more to the story so let me ask you a question okay just yesterday well yesterday 
one of the officers that uh stopped him okay said they did not stop him okay for anything like uh, driving crazy on the street that was not why they stopped him they had no evidence up there so yes sir so you're right it, it was something that was other than legally being stopped well they're gonna be made an example of and all the talk and i mean all the uh historic uh, ever since george floyd you know this has been up uh showcasing and things are happening but this time with some black officers these guys are gonna they're gonna be they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna get some heavy heavy uh sentencing or heavy punishment to the degree that the industry or the law enforcement as a whole really deserves to be tightened up. You know, that would never happen if there was discipline or they, if they didn't think they could get away with it. Yes. You know, uh, and I was, I was, I saw a, a comment and it was talking about two common elements of maintaining law and order is to maintain fear and insecurities. Mm-hmm. You know, and that if you don't understand it, so part of it is education. If we if we stop educating our people, and and you know, let's add into it um, education in the sense of understanding our history. And I mean, just history as a country, because you know, I heard a, a you know Reverend Farrakhan talking about you know. The, the Ku Klux Klan was not conceived under the Confederate flag. It was conceived, conceived under the Stars and Stripes. Yes. All this stuff that's been going on. So we're somewhat looking to the left while shenanigans going on on the right or vice versa. And things are going on. But as we have to take responsibility for ourselves for our communities, for our people, for what we do. You know, and, you know, we get something started, but that's what we're talking about, because really, that common denominator that's out here, that's in the universe, that's in the air, it's in the water, it's where we go and what we do, has to do with some 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 anchoring of mental health. You know, yes. what is the state of our mentality? Where, where, where are we thinking? What is, you know, where is, is am I fearful because I am unexposed or because I don't have knowledge or because the information I'm being fed makes us believe and act in a certain way. I mean, it, it's it's like the, uh, I mean, it's just the news, everything. So, okay, right before you came on, uh, we began to talk about that a lot of police, you know, people, you know, young men, young women, okay, uh, they were as kids. They were they, they were being bullied. Okay, most of their lives, and then when they get older, they, they become police officers. I and heard they, that. And they go I, back. I heard to, that. Mm-hmm. Well, I know people. I know people myself. Okay, that has done that. And Bishop also probably know some also, but those have become the bad apples in the barrel. But you know, this is this is uh, clinical. It, 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 I mean, it, these are people that have been uh, bullied or, uh, you know, it, it's 
everybody knows somebody is like that. And, and some of these kids that have been the ones to um, go off with the mass shootings and, you know, they come back to school with a gun. Mm-hmm. You know? and, and even like this, take that the uh, six-year-old in, uh, I think it was Norfolk. Mm-hmm. He was well-known. He wasn't just well-known to that teacher and to that school. He was well-known in the school system. Yeah, because it was believed the debate was whether he really needed special, you know, what I, we used to call special ed. Mm-hmm. To be separated, put into some kind of uh, more managed uh, education wow. system. That's right. But in the public school system, they're asking these teachers to to fix <laughs> to fix things that they're not equipped to, to deal with, and it's not you know, it's a fair responsibility. You know, uh, and, and even to the degree that parents and parent parenting, uh, some of their responsibilities get defaulted. They're shifted off, or uh, you know, maybe we leave it up to the police, or you know, we become indifferent in how we are touching. Our brother, our fellow man. Okay, uh, now, you know, what, what compassion do we have? Okay, so let me stop you right there. Okay, now I know your wife is an educator, okay? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and Bishop Wood is also a former educator, right, Bishop? That's correct, yes. And so, and so what Chuck is saying, could you amen that? Yes, it's a different day now uh, because it's almost hands off as far as uh, disciplined students. Uh, unfortunately, it's turned back where uh, the staff don't have the the wherewithal to discipline students. They, they allow them to get away with so much. Uh, you know, I, back in the day, we had uh, where you could paddle a kid, <laughs> and that's almost a sin now. They said, but uh, a promise. But you know, I when I was still in the classroom and. Uh, Principal, I, you know, I said I was firm, but I was fair. And I recall one one day we had a, a very bad snow, and um, I was a classroom teacher, so I had to stop and get chains put on my car so I could make it through all that snow. And I called the principal. I said, "I'm sorry, I'm, I'm running late because I I can't make all this snow without getting these chains on." He said, "You're not here." I said, "No, I'm getting chains put on my car." He said, I went by your classroom, all the kids were sitting there, orderly, doing their assignment, and you're not here. I said, they've been talking in the morning, can we get down to this? <laughs> and uh, so, you know, uh, it's a different day now. You know, I, I recall I was once uh, in one school system when we transferred to uh, merge the in-line, Berkeley and first across the school districts. And the next thing, uh, we go with suspension, uh, get misbehave or in school suspension. But before we merge, we know a kid would be wrong, okay, that's too bad, those legs on your behind. Don't do it anymore. And uh, so I had this kid, Jerry, and he was there at Cross Keys, and that's, and I, I said, well, I have to send him home because he keeps cutting up in class. And then I said, Dr. Wood, why are you putting up with that? You know he doesn't do that. He, I'm going to get it when he gets home. And, 
wouldn't allow him to do that <laughs> when he was there here in Myanmar. And I said, Jerry, you know, your grandmother's you're breaking her heart. Oh, you better not touch me. And uh, I, I, I lost it. <laughs> but I was like a cat on a mouse. So, 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 you know, no, you can't. No, uh, these kids now can get up and walk out. They just get up. And, I'm talking about sixth graders. You know, if, if you say sixth grade, yeah, well, how does a six year old walk into school and tell the, the day or earlier that day, he said, I'm going to burn you up? I'm going to burn you. He had threatened the teacher before. And what? And so this is what is what is sixth grade? First grade? I mean, six years old, first grade. So, I mean, you know, you got that, but. It's okay. It's, I mean, it's one thing think about being worried about getting disciplined in, in, in school, but you know what? what listen, I got a gun, or I know where a gun's at, or I, my parents got a gun. I go, you know, I go out here in the streets. You can settle it. I mean, in everyday life, and so the police now just escalated to where they're not really sure the difference between uh, uh, how bad is it or or is it bad. I mean, it's got to the point where they're mistaking, mistaking good people, or if people got attitude. It's it, it's a lot of contributing factors. Uh, the education system is going to get worse until we make it better. We being civil society. But let me give you some of my history. It may be different now, but I inherited a, a school that had the worst record in the whole district. They would fight every day, every day on a supermarket parking lot. I mean, high school and middle school youngsters every day. So I went to that school and I called a, a meeting with the whole school staff and students. I said, listen, I said, I want you to know if you have a problem, see me. I'm the baddest thing here. And if you don't, you were in trouble with me. And I said, what I say goes. I called the parents. I said, I need your help to help you know, uh, make a better future for our kids. At the end of the school, the parents were outside. Where are they? Come on, tell them to come on. They were ready to fight the parents. I said, oh, God. I said, so I can't deal with the parents. I have to deal with this personally one-on-one with the students. And I said, if I speak to you once, that's a one-day suspension. Speak to you second time, that's a three-day suspension. Next five-day suspension. Next time, ten-day suspension. I said, if you could be Einstein, fool around, you'll be here another year, and know that you're clowning, what will be going on to the next level. I said, so I'm not playing. I had to expel only one student of the whole school, one that whole year. I um, said, you know, you don't come down this hall and start a fight. What? I said, that's a day suspension. What? I 
that's a great age. <laughs> so they got, you know, they, those that were fighting, I said, I'll just watch the fight, but you know you're suspended. I'm not going to stop a fight. And it, it turned around. The school attendance went up. The grades went up. Like I said, only one student was expelled the whole year. Everything turned around. Okay, and let me Okay, now, Chuck, Chuck, would you don't like to be able to educate her correctly? If she's staying a student right now, some of the students want to, want to go home, am I right? Are you kidding? They, 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 yeah, they want... They, they, this is this is crazy as it is. Her students, she teaches English as a second language, and they're sixth graders, and some of them are fresh across the border. But if you have a relative or someplace you could go, they'll let you go. If you can get across the border, you can go. So some of these these kids are not even, they don't really want to be in school, but they have a comprehension of, of the language, but it's the culture. And so, you know, man, they'll go out for a fire drill. They got to uh, keep an eye on these kids. And I'm talking about class, class are fairly small in comparison. You're talking to a big class might be 12 kids but yes they're they're uh, and the parents don't know where they are and the parents themselves have issues some kids that don't have money for lunch and things like that but they'll have a brand new ipad or a phone you know it, it's it's a lot of uh, it's a lot of issues going but this, the administration does not allow you to really what we would characterize as put too much negative enforcement you know, negative reinforcement uh, to it. Chuck, I, Chuck, I hate to do this, okay, but uh, our good friend, uh, not, don't back up the clock on the wall, you gotta get to the end of the program. So, Chuck, would you be so kind to give uh, Chuck update us on what's going on with the National Human Conference? We're moving forward with our uh, economic development uh, initiative that is starting now with the building of one credit, particularly business owners. And, and I don't know if we mentioned this last week, Ira, but if you have a 720 score. We That's right, we did have Dr. Grace. Okay, so yeah, so that thing is taken off. We had another call this week, uh, and this time it were like uh, business leaders and people that own businesses. And we found that just on that call, there's probably 15 to 20 people that if we all got together, we got at least $20 million in credit score, you know, right there, by realizing it. And so uh, we've begun to put the pieces together uh, to, to have uh, the fall in line behind the Missouri for have you be in our initiative. That's, uh, ultimately, it's going to be national, but it could be global. Yeah, we still need to do it. Yeah. Yes, sir. Looking forward to it. Uh, and also, Chuck, uh, this past week, I think you a picture, okay, that Reverend Lyles and Reverend Chief Cumber had a chance to meet with the county executive, uh, Dr. Sam Page. And uh, he has agreed to work with us in St. Louis County to implement some of the programs that we're talking about right now with sort of businesses. In fact, we just in St. Louis County, so that is the thing we just really is doing now in St. Louis. But we are working on the state, but now we're coming to St. Louis right now. We're going there. Now, I know Bishop Wood's going to be dreaming in what we're doing here. So, right now, we're working here in St. Louis 
and 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 the team was doing. But now nationally, what are the other things that the team was doing? Well, we're really we're really gaining momentum with the introduction of our black business enterprise certification. Yeah, and we are, it's called the BBE, which goes with the MBE. Uh, certifications that that are out here for all these different types of minorities, but we did not have one that said, "I'm certified as a black business." That was nationally recognized. So what that is, what does that mean? That means that when we go to the federal government and we ask them, uh, "What, what, or how much did you do business? How many? What was the minority business numbers?" Are you know the, the 1964 Civil Rights Act was written on economic inclusion for African-Americans, but then as it grew through the years, it included uh, the definition of minority started to take on to where you got a lot of people that are able to become designated as a minority, but if you just go basic, they're not necessarily a minority. So it isn't just black or white, but in this case, we're talking about measure, measurement and understanding. So uh, you could be a veteran, uh, and be white. You could be a woman and be white. You could be gay, lesbian, and be white. But you're in a minority certification, and so when they say, "Oh, the minority numbers are doing great," well, actually, black business numbers are going down. It's diluted. So we're coming out with a, a way to measure just how black businesses is performing in defense of these diversity contracts. We'll be announcing the uh, act opening of the registration. A business will be able to come to the Missouri Black Chamber of Commerce and get certified. And then we have corporations are going to say they're going to recognize our certification. So we're going to vet these companies and we're going to have a very professional um, statistical listing of them and their capabilities. And then a corporation is going to say, okay, can we look at your directory, Mr. Uh, Missouri Black Chamber, and pull some businesses that can do these types of services that we require. And from that, we're going to be able to judge that company on their uh, embrace of the relationship as far as a diversity, equity, inclusive uh, buyer, you know, buying and supplying. As a matter of fact, Reverend Larry Brown is going to be our front pushing on that. We talked last couple of days, you know, every company next week, okay, get that set up with the. I'm excited about it. I'm looking forward. You know, I love working with Reverend Lyles, and we look forward to working with the Missouri Black Chamber. And, we, and you know, let's plan something where we can have a launch uh, reception or initiative there, press release. I would keep doing what you're doing uh, with the uh, with Ferguson, and you know, a lot of our cities have ills, but we're not we're not sticking our head in the sand. We're not running away from it. it you know, these our people is our uh, uh, substances, you know, and I saw where um, Robert Smith, a uh, uh, black billionaire out of Atlanta, he's talking about buy back the block. Yes. And, you know, that's that's where we're going to reinvest in our communities. You know, we're going to have, uh, we have another, we have another member that's doing an initiative with black farmers to get uh, fresh produce into some of the areas where there's these food deserts, you know, and get these things going. So I appreciate you giving me the time uh, to speak, and we look forward to working with everybody. We really appreciate it. And I know right now, Bishop Wooten, by the way, 
the complex we built in Haytown, Missouri, been a twenty thousand units, okay. And they will be named after Dr. Bishop M. Wooten Senior. You know, when when it is completed, by the way. So we are honoring him in our state, which is hundred miles the complex, hundred miles from Mr. Tennessee right where they dog and come see it. So on that note, I'd like to thank Bishop Wood and his family and their time, especially Lady Wood and also Chuck DeVoe. Thank you for always being there for us, brother. Also for uh, Reverend Allen Loud, thank you, thank you for the prayers and also Amen. Okay, Scott. Love you, brother. Happy anniversary to you. My name is Aaron Flock. Thank you for joining us. You know, not just with the Dutch, but with the Dutch for January the 11th. Thousand twenty, and happy Valentine's, and happy Valentine's. Life should be safe.